Welcome to the second episode of the Alan Badger podcast. My name is Tim and I'm joined by my good friend Helen and together we're going to be taking a look at some of the key things that have affected us over these last 18 months. Our aim is to give an alternative view to what you'll hear in the mainstream, not because we want to be alternative for the sake of it, but because we believe that there are narratives that need challenging. The topics we take a look at will be through the lens of our deeply held Christian worldview and our desire is to encourage others to think through the issues we face, to consider the trajectory they place us on and how we might respond. And for this second episode, we are going to be having a look at Laura Dodsworth's recent book called A State of Fear, how the UK government weaponized fear during the COVID-19 pandemic. And Lord Sumption is quoted as saying, this is an important book. The use of fear as a tool of political management is a major challenge to democracy, which everyone should reflect upon, whatever their view about lockdowns and COVID-19. So we thought we'd just discuss some of the points that this book brings up uh, in this, our second episode. Helen, over to you. Do you want to just talk us through a bit about the, the the book is gen you know introduction to the, to Laura's book. Yeah, um, I I can't remember where I first saw about the book actually, but I remember being struck when I saw that someone had paid really um, right at the beginning when it had just been published for a copy to go to every government minister, which um, I was quite interested in. Thought, oh, this might be worth reading. Um, so I ordered a copy, and I also saw I think they sold out really quickly. Um, and ordered it and uh, sat in my garden reading it and was quite riveted, actually. I mean, I'd already thought this topic of fear was a really important one. But mm. the more I read the book, um, the more shocked I was, actually. I wasn't expecting to be shocked, but um, it's, it's quite shocking, really, how fear, exactly what's in the title, has been weaponized. Yeah. Yeah, and and as Christians, we were just thinking about earlier, weren't we, about how the Bible has a lot to say about not fearing. And it's one of the most oft repeated phrases in the Bible is do not fear and mentioned at least 200 times, I believe, isn't it? So to fear is is definitely a negative, a negative thing. And I think, yeah, I think it's really, really interesting that it's it's kind of called things out and it's quite an easy read as well I thought it's not a hard work book is it yeah no it's it's um it's well done actually it's like you say it is an easy read and I like as well she's um put in between her different chapters she's put little uh, pages of um quotes from interviews she's done with just ordinary people just about um how they'd found uh lockdown different issues um, to do with with fear or how things had affected them personally. I thought that was really interesting as well. Yeah, no, it's, it is really good. It is really good. It gives a, a different voice, doesn't it, to, to to the author. So there is a kind of an interesting dynamic as, as you read it. Yeah, I think as well, um, the number of people in quite senior positions that she's managed to interview, and I think it's interesting, some of them, not wanting to be identified um, mm. because of um, you know the possible reprisals or fear for their jobs or whatever, but she's managed to get interviews with those people. And I think that's um, that that's really interesting. 
Yeah, and if people fearing for their for their jobs is is again this brings up that subject of fear, doesn't it? It's not only the the fear of a pandemic and generating extra fear, but also people fearing that they can't speak the truth because if they do so, they they could lose their jobs. So again, it's giving a really bad press and rightly so to to this idea of fear yeah so what we want to do in this is just kind of pull out maybe some key points that we thought were interesting and just talk about those a bit and hopefully give a bit of a taster for the book but um also have a discussion about the some of the things that it it, it pulls out so we've we've got a whole list here haven't we <laughs> do you, where where should we start helen go you get do you want to go first <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, okay. Um, well, one of one of the things right at the very beginning um, that I thought was really interesting is a, a quote um, from Carl Augustus Menninger, 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 I'm not sure, sure how you say his name, who said, fears are educated into us and can, if we wish, be educated out. And then Laura says, we need to inoculate ourselves against fear. Mm. Um, I thought that was a really interesting point right at the beginning at how how easy I think that fear can become um you know can be come a, a part of us and how important that is to recognize and then then to address because it's a dangerous it's a dangerous thing I think like you said as Christians it's really important to to remember that God says so many times throughout the Bible do not fear do not be afraid um and it it wouldn't be mentioned so many times if it wasn't something that really we need to be um, aware of and we need to remember that fear is not a good thing and we are not to fear so therefore when we see something that is causing so much fear it's, it's something we need to stop take note of yeah yeah definitely and, and it's a fear that that has kind of snuck in I think because we didn't recognize it at first because right at the right at the start she goes Laura Dodsworth goes right back to the start, doesn't she, of, of, of lockdown back in March last year when Boris Johnson gives that very kind of sombre speech about you must stay at home. The idea was, I think, three weeks to flatten the curve, wasn't it? Do you remember? <laughs> three weeks yep. turned into much longer, <laughs> longer than that. But this whole thing of of the, just the kind of, yeah, this, this overt fear that was just pushed upon us was was yeah pretty pretty bad really well um, if you think we've when have we ever been told to stay in our homes to not go outside to 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 stop everything you know to to do that to a society uh, you know people of course everyone's going to stop and go well this must be something really really terrible yes yeah yeah you know it's just completely unheard of no one had ever none of us had ever imagined that we would ever be asked to do such a thing. I know no I think I think you're I think you're right I mean I remember before and um, before the before the lockdown you're hearing these reports coming out of China and now with hindsight I would question most of those reports but again they were I think done in such ways to instill fear so it added weight to what the prime minister was saying back in March last year. And people just, you know, we, we all put two and two together and thought this thing must be, must be awful if, the, if they're going to be asking us to, to stay at home. But, uh, but again, I, remember, I also remember thinking, well, you know, 
two, three weeks of closing the economy down, we're not going to recover from that. They're going to have to open it up after three weeks. Otherwise, everything will collapse. And of course, they, they didn't. They didn't have any yeah. intention of, of, of doing that. So, yeah, it, it really does. It brings into a sharp focus the tools that have been used, I think. One of the things that this book gets us to do is to consider the, the ethics of, of using fear to manage people, doesn't it? Yeah, and um, one of the things right at the beginning that she, she talks about is, um, you know, what had come out of China and what then was being shown on social media all around the world. So I think weren't there videos of people dropping dead in the street? Yes. Um, you know, things like that, which obviously it immediately would make people fearful well is that what's going to happen here is that is that what we're needing to be frightened yeah 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 and again look looking back with the lens of hindsight it's far easier to put the pieces together now and see how they form this individual pieces form this big jigsaw of fear propaganda which very much seems to be people obey essentially imprisoned in their own homes which we were wasn't it i mean you, you never yeah. you don't put the healthy into quarantine do you it's just not not what we've done before no it was not part of any plan that we had was it it was not part of the plan that we had for dealing with um a pandemic a respiratory virus pandemic the plan was there but it that's not what it involved yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And even the term lockdown is actually a, a term that comes from prisons, isn't it? It's yeah. It's, it, think, yep. <laughs> it's it's not it's not a term used for the for the for the free. Um I think one of the one of the things that, that Laura really kind of brings out in the book is getting getting us to see to kind of lift the lift the lid as it were, to almost pull that peel that Tupperware lid back slightly and peek in and in there, you see a lot of what was going on in the background to get us to apply what the the government wanted us to do, and and the tools that were used about they they used to do that, and it, and it wasn't. I don't think it was right. Thinking back, what what do you think? No, well, um, she interviews, doesn't she, in her book, uh, various people who who've been involved in the behavioural psychology uh, that has been used to to make the population comply and mm -hmm. and they've um openly said that part part of that was to make people frightened to make people feel personally um at, at risk or or um you know to to use fear to make people do as they've been told that's right that's right and that's is that that's the um They've got the Independent Scientific Pandemic Insights Group on Behaviours, haven't they? The SPY-B. Mm. And they are there, to quote the government website, to provide behavioural science advice aimed at anticipating and help people adhere to interventions that are recommended by medical or epidemiological experts. So even, you know, the government are upfront about it, in a sense, on their own or on their, on their own um website is to, to what's being used but it's 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 yeah it's a method as method isn't it of, of of generating fear i remember one of the things that that just stuck in my head was the film contagion seen it I've, I've not seen it but but it's it's a um, major blockbuster movie essentially almost you know very similar anyways to to to, to covid 
And that was on ITV2 in March 2020. Yeah, and I think it, it, didn't it top the ratings or something? Yeah, and it got a lot of of people saying, hold on, why are you putting this on? And the strapline of the film is this. It says, nothing spreads like fear. And you think, wow. And and now I look back and think, well, I think that programming of that film at that point was intentional. It was to drive home this idea of making us fearful as this is what could happen. And it was another kind of subtle tool to um, get us all to to comply. And what else? What else can we bring out? Because so much things in 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 the book that she she points out to us which is useful really yeah. helpful well linked to that is this i this nudge theory yeah um uh it says here nudge theory is about denying certain choices or making other choices harder it is used to avoid having arguments and instead to manipulate people without them realizing yes another yes. quote by by knowing how people think we can make it easier for them to choose what is best for them for their families and society yeah yeah, and it, there is there is something un, deeply unsettling, isn't there, about this idea that we we should be okay with being manipulated? And I don't think we are okay manipulated. It's certainly not not biblical. <laughs> it's not a not a good thing from a from a from a, a Christian Christian point of view. No, definitely. I think well, we talked in the last podcast about the importance of truth, and as Christians. Um, you know, Jesus said he is the truth and truth should be of utmost importance to us. And um, manipulation and deception and um, using these behavioral techniques to coerce or to to make people fearful. Well, that's that's not about truth, is it? No. I mean, in a society like ours, I had expected that we would be treated like adults, that we'd be told the truth, told the risks, told um you know told how how it is who's at risk who's not at risk what the situation what the truth of the situation is and as the information comes in update on that and then let people make grown-up decisions for themselves but that's not at all just happened no no it wasn't and and you're absolutely right that that's that's what they should have done what what out of interest what was the point for you where you thought hold on a minute this isn't quite what we're being told when when did when did you when did you realise that? Um, well, I'm such a sceptical person. It didn't take me very long. It was right at the beginning, really. Um, I I can remember thinking, oh oh, uh, this. Well, obviously, thinking this is just crazy. This is you know, is it really something that that deserves this just unprecedented action? Um, and interesting, Laura Dodsworth, she says, the first night we were told to lock down, I realised I was more frightened of authoritarianism than death mm-hmm. and more repulsed by manipulation than illness. And mm-hmm. I think my reaction was quite similar in a way. Um, I, I just felt I, I want to know more. I want to, which, which made me start researching more, looking up for myself, what was happening? What was this thing? Um, but I remember being just thinking, this is not the way our society behaves. This is not what I expect of our government mm. and feeling quite nervous about that. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's really interesting. I think, I think it sounds like you cottoned on faster than, than, than I did because I definitely remember thinking, well, this app, I think 
what was coming from China at the time, probably most of it was fabricated lies, but I guess um, it sounded like, well, this thing is really awful. And, and definitely it can be a bad thing, you know, doubt about that. But for me, it was when they built these Nightingale hospitals and then they weren't used. That was definitely the, 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 na- the nail in the coffin of compliance <laughs> for me because I was thinking, hold on a minute, you know, they, they spent millions doing this and it was a sham. And yeah. then you think, yeah. And then when they brought in the, the whole mask mandate, it started to just get ridiculous. But yeah, wow. It's, it's certainly, I mean, obviously the benefit of hindsight, but I think most people, well, not most people, a number of people cottoned on quite early of, of which, uh, which you were definitely, definitely one of them. And I've been catching up a little bit, but. Well, like- one of the things very early on that they did say, which was true. So right from the very beginning, I remember it being said that they believed this was a, a respiratory virus that was going to affect the very old yes and people with comorbidities people with various health issues that that they said that very early on and I remember very carefully watching the data watching what was happening to see if that was the case and and it always was the case and it always has been the case and yet I remember very quickly all this um the things you started to see whether it was adverts on the television which I I didn't watch for very long and stopped watching those but I listened to the radio a lot and even now still there are adverts on the radio saying things like um uh, co- that covid is effectively that it's that it's a danger to everyone that it it's it can't it won't discriminate doesn't discriminate whoever you are and that and that's not true yeah that's a good point that is a good point and I think I think that- newspapers particularly like like the mail which you could expect from the daily mail but they but they love to put the the it's it's awful when you actually stop and think about it but they love to put the young fit healthy person in hospital mm. on in their pages and saying look this is what this is what happens this is this is how it gets you and again under underlining that is this idea to drive fear isn't it mm. um but maybe we should just go back to this whole thing of manipulation because a lot of what Laura's book is is is, is about talking about manipulation, isn't it? about explaining how we've been manipulated intentionally, like you talked about nudge theory by the government in order to get us to imply. And one of those interesting bits of manipulation was the whole clap for carers thing. Mm. What are your thoughts on that? Well, again, I have to confess, it was not something that... Um, struck a chord with me I I I remember in our street they were they would do it every week and I used to I used to feel quite guilty but I used to sit indoors um hiding and cringing I just couldn't bear it it felt sinister something felt wrong about it made me feel uneasy um and it's interesting how Laura Dawsworth talks about it in her book and um uh, one of the quotes here says the the weekly pot banging was a tribal show of solidarity, venerating mm. the NHS and its workers who were central to the government's election campaign. But there was also a Stalinist rhythm to it, which some felt but were nervous to confess to. Um, and she talks about that sort of cult-like um, patterns in behaviour and in things that were happening and um, 
you know, it's a, it's a really great thing to be thankful to people who are helping us, isn't it? That's not a bad thing to be thankful to people working in the NHS. But it became, it happened very quickly, didn't it? And it very quickly became something that everybody across the country was doing, the Prime Minister was doing, and um, everybody stopped in the supermarket it, at eight it, o'clock to, to... Yeah, it, it, it did. And, and interestingly, it's, I, I did, I think I did the first one out of, out of um, a sense of, again, this is this is a this is a nice nice thing to do. But then I then I, I stopped after that because again I was catching up with you here. But I, I felt this feels a bit just a bit weird, and it feels a bit like some odd form of idolatry. Which you know, again, as Christians, we know that that's not right. And and like you saying, this isn't about not being thankful to people. But there's lots of people we can be thankful for, including people who've worked in supermarkets for the last mm. 18 months and have been you know doing okay which is great and you know give thanks to god for that but it was i think two things strike me about it the, fir- the first thing was that it was almost like one of the the first stages in getting people to comply because in a road when you get people out on mass at their front doors what do people notice they notice who's not outside the house. And then we had the masks, which we still have pointless things. What do people notice about masks? Who's it's not, not wearing, wearing the mask? And then we have the vaccines. What do people notice about vaccines? Who's not had the vaccine? So it almost felt like a, a precursor to what was to come. Mm. And, and the other thing was that the person who started it, uh, Anne-Marie Plass, I believe it is, how on earth did a so-called grassroots campaign from somebody suddenly get high-profile figures like the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, the Prime Minister, David and Victoria Beckham jumping on board? You know, if you or I put something on Twitter, we ain't going to get anybody. No. It was it was a stitch-up. It <laughs> did happen it very, very quickly. Yeah, it did. And, she, and Laura Dodsworth talks about this in the book, doesn't it? How it, how it was a yeah. manufactured thing with inside help. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I think the cat came out of the bag because earlier this year, I think they tried to do it again, didn't they? And it backfired a bit. But yes, the, the, th- the point is with this is it's, it's, it's lifting the lid on manipulation and how we've been manipulated, hasn't it? Yeah. I mean, one of the things linked to that, I remember being very uncomfortable about um, vaccination centres being set up in cathedrals our Mm. local cathedral was used and it wasn't just that they were using the building but um but there were pictures from in the building there were um quotes from the senior clergy saying what a wonderful thing it was and come and listen and the organ will be playing organ music and um and then I saw a picture in a church where they draped the NHS logo across the altar and again, that made me quite uneasy as well. But interestingly, Laura Dosworth brings out in her book how this was this was part of the plan. Um, one of one of the quotes said, um, "We need to make sure information about the vaccines comes from different sources. It mustn't look like it's propaganda. It needs to come from faith leaders, influencers, and local leaders." And the same way, the government report recommended providing immunizations in community-based settings and religious sites so that was part of the plan is to use religious buildings christian buildings 
try to get faith leaders to be um, to be talking the correct talk. Um, you know, it didn't happen by accident. That was part. That was the plan. Yeah, it 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 is it is it is bad. I mean, I mean, for for a church to to drape an NHS flag over its altar, I think I saw that photo. So I mean, they've just lost the plot for doing doing that. It is that that's just blatant idolatry, and it's ridiculous. Well, the thing is, as well, when this started, it was at a time where we were not allowed in church buildings to worship God. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which, as as the church, we, we were a little bit too compliant on that that one, mm. I think, weren't we? Okay. Right. So let's. What other what what other ones? There's there's so many you know good bits in bits in here. Before we actually while while you're having a think through the, through these, I remember Steve uh, Baker, the the MP, saying early last year in the House of Commons when the coronavirus bill was 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 going was going through being rushed through pushed through perhaps is is the right phrase he said we are perhaps let me be the first to say it implementing tonight and in the bill at least a dystopian society he didn't go all the way to say totalitarian but he did he did hint at that and i, th- I think he was right I, I remember him i remember him saying that and this is he's right on this one for somebody to say that mm. in the house of commons in in this country that's is, a is really serious opener. thing to say isn't it yeah um and he's so far been proved right on that one so yeah it's it isn't it isn't a, a good thing at all it's, it's, it is i think also it's that whole thing of it's, it's it feels like a, a cult doesn't it a, a, almost a new a new religion of of, of binding people together because spy spy b the, the people she talks to from that, um, they in her book, they talk about terms like co-creation, co-design, co-production, collectivism, in it together, solidarity, and all, the, all these words are strewn throughout the Spybee documents, um, which are found on, on the government website. You can go and, go and check them out for yourself. But this mm. idea that we're all in this together, it, it's, it's unnerving because the fact is we're not. <laughs> We're not all in it together. What else no. should we talk about? Well, so many different things here. I'm looking through our list. Yeah, there's quite a lot, isn't there? Um, one of the interesting quotes, I think, um, I, I'm not sure who she was quoting. It says, people are passive and biddable. A lot of people don't question. Their thinking is shaped by other people, especially the media and social media. And that is a dangerous thing. As a society, we are set up to encourage a passive and biddable population. Yes, yeah. And that's sad, isn't it? And I think that's been what I found particularly sad uh, is that's been my experience generally in the church, that I think many people I've seen have pretty much been passive and biddable and haven't really questioned. Why why is that, do you think? I don't know. I don't know. Why why is that? Why, Why do I question all the time why do other people don't question i i don't know is it because we've become as a society so used to things being easy could be it could be and could and be. as christians we in the west we've become used to it being easy i mean the bible tells us that it's not going to be easy but i think for many christians in the west it has been very easy to be a christian and be bumble along in society hasn't it yeah, I think I think as a as a generalization, yes, it has, and I think you're you're absolutely right about the fact that 
our culture, our cultural values, places a lot of emphasis in, in surface, shallow things. We talk about celebrity. We put so much emphasis on celebrity, don't we? We've become perhaps conditioned not to think through critically what's happening. And as members of the church, we're also members of, of our society and our culture. So the more of that that's in our culture, the more of that will be in the church. And perhaps that has helped to contribute to, to us being perhaps caught out a little bit. And I guess the question is, what what do we, what can we do about it? What what's what's the answer here for us? Well, I think as as Christians, the first part of the answer has to be um, looking to scripture. Yeah. You know, taking the Bible seriously, taking what God says seriously, um, which as we started with, he says very, very many times not to fear. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and, and maybe we should be looking to the persecuted church a bit more, um, you know, to see how life is for very many Christians in the world, which puts things into a bit of perspective for us, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it, it does. It does. And, and the challenge for us is is at the moment is is recognizing that need because my sense is in in a church is is that we're we're very much it's still a, a, a mentality of we're all in this together type thing and the church is figuratively speaking got the nhs flag draped over the altar mm. and we've got to find a way to not be like that and it's not about alienating but it is about actually standing up for the truth and actually spotting when we are being misled and, and being salt and light, isn't it? Which Jesus calls yeah. us to be. Yeah, definitely. Um, we can't have a, a sort of a, a woolly idea on that. And this is where a book like this is, is helpful because it, it points out the subtleties of how we're caught out. Because it is subtle, isn't it? It is subtle. It, it is the things they have done. And, and when you read through the book and you see how much has been done, however subtle, it, it all adds up to, to a truly shocking picture. But yeah. any one of those things on their own could be easily, you can see how it can easily just be seen as, or, or, or not seen, that's the whole point, not seen, just, just a bit of a gentle nudge here, a suggestion there, a bit of coercion, but yes. it, all, it all adds up. And certainly just in in many of the people I've come across I've seen people who've been terrified actually Hmm. who who need not have been because actually their personal situation means that they don't really need to be terrified of this virus um but that that's uh, you know that's a so it's an awful thing and for how long I mean if you I think um I've I've read about how uh fear can can make you ill mm-hmm. so if you terrify a population it's not actually going to be very healthy necessarily and it could well lead to many people becoming ill yes yeah absolutely and, and there's I certainly think... lots of people have said about you know deterioration in mental health yeah you know that's that's really serious thing and yet and yet that's really not been something that that we've had a real focus on these last 18 months and I think again I think you're spot on with this that the fallout from this will be counted in the the months and definitely years ahead sadly mm. um, so there is a, there's definitely an opportunity for us as followers of Jesus to to actually shine a light on the truth and to put 
to to Christ and to say, you know, there isn't there is a way not to fear, which is to put your trust in Him, and there's there's an opportunity there. And yet, as a ch- as a church, I think we've we've I don't know what we've done. We, we, <laughs> it feels like we missed that a little bit. Not everywhere, not everywhere, mm. but but a lot a lot of the, a lot of the church. Um, I think has, has has struggled with that one. I think I was just looking at what she said about uh, Jacinda Ardern, New Zealand, how she made an embarrassing slip of the tongue. She referred to a two-week period of sustained propaganda. Yeah. <laughs> that New Zealanders <laughs> who completed the government's managed isolation were subjected to. Wow. That's. I mean, she is. She. She is. Um, well. Probably the less I say, the better I think. <laughs> but I, I feel sorry for anybody living in New Zealand yeah. uh, or, or Australia for Quite that matter. Right. I think, yeah, they're struggling over there, aren't they? they really are. Yeah. Um, but it's the same in Canada as well. You know, they, they've got real. It, it's it's become divisive. That's the thing, hasn't it? Because fear divides as well. Fear divides between those who are fearful and those who question the fear. Yeah, I think um, that's that's the problem that. Um, anyone who questions has seen to be the enemy or seen yes. to be dangerous. Um, yes. And that's very, very divisive. It is. And, and that, that is understood by the government. That's understood by scientific pandemic insights group on behaviours. They know that. They know that. That's why they use the phrase granny killer, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and and and, and it, it, it's awful, and, and this and and you know this this whole thing of you know I I don't wear a mask to protect myself, I wear a mask to protect others. When a mask does neither of those things, scientifically proven, need does neither of those things. I mean, yeah. it's, it's just it the lies basically. Yeah, I think one of, one of the things that, that another thing she says in the book says that the British public are in a coercive control relationship with the government. Sadly, that's that is that is right. I think one of the things that certainly struck me was, and this is again mentioned about one of the anonymous scientists, can't be named because work in Whitehall, but this person told Laura Dotsworth that the higher the death toll, the more draconian the measures you can bring in. The plan would be to go with the big numbers and then say that there was a problem with the figures. Well, the thing about reading a book like Laura Dodsworth's now is that you have the benefit of actually looking back over what happened, and that is precisely what happened. Remember with Christmas, with the with the graph, the big red graph that yeah. Chris Whitty and Patrick Valance brought out that had no kind of markings on it, but just shot up, shot straight up. Yeah. And interestingly, when you look on, for example, the Google COVID tracker, anybody in the United Kingdom who gets COVID never recovers because we don't have any recovery figures other, other countries actually post their recovery figures so who's got it who sadly died and but who's recovered which gives you context and gives you perspective yeah. but the uk don't do that it's a shocker it is and and it's it's like you know um early on the um you know people were being registered as a covid death if they died well it was for a while it was indefinitely wasn't it if you had covid and then you died of anything you went down as a COVID death, but after a while, they changed it to 28 days, didn't they? But it's still, yeah, I think it's that, still that, in place, isn't that, it? That's right. And I remember, I remember talking to, to, to a nurse who works in a local hospital and, and she, she gave first hand evidence of, of exactly that happening. You know, people mm. 
a guy come in who had a motorbike accident, sadly died, and it's put down as a COVID death because mm. he tested positive. Well, he didn't die of COVID. He died of his motorcycle crash. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, likewise, I know of someone who, who um, went into hospital expected to live for no longer than another week of because of, of cancer, um, but tested and, and said, oh, they have COVID and um, went down as a COVID death. Well, it's not a COVID death, was it? It was, it was a death from cancer. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, it's, it's to drive, drive up the numbers, isn't it? And it's to distort what's actually happening, to drive fear in order to assert con- control. It's, 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 not, it's not the right way to go, to go about things. Um, no, and, and like using the you know, cumulative figures of, of deaths, we don't, we don't do that. We don't um, you know, just keep on counting on and on and on and keep on using these numbers. Oh, there's 100,000 or there's, you know, we, um, the, w- the way normally the death figures are done annually, aren't they? So, yes. so they will then compare um, death, deaths from different diseases and things year on year. Um, and, and when you do that for COVID for last year and adjusting for the size of the population and age of the population, I think it was the um, biggest death rate since earlier in t- 2000. Two, yes. I think different figures. One place I've yes. seen said 2008, one was 2003, but that every year before that, the number of deaths were higher. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. And, and when you have that... But if you said that, that's not that's not going to make people. No one's going to be fearful if you said, "Oh, well, it's the highest death rate since ten years ago, and all the years before that, we had a much higher death rate." Then, yeah, people wouldn't be fearful, would they? No, 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 they wouldn't. Um, And I think, of course, the question that we should also be asking is why? Why do the government want us to be fearful? Your thoughts on that? Well, that's a very good question, isn't it? Honestly, don't don't know the answer. Um, I think it's probably it's probably quite complicated, but it it, it must be about control. Mm, yeah, yeah. I think it has to. I don't see quite what else it could be because it doesn't seem to serve any other purpose than control. So, I mean, one one of the the things that again quotes from the book says this: if you don't accept that you will die day, that you never be safe then you are a sitting duck for authoritarian policies which purport to be for your safety. If too many individuals immolate their liberty for safety, we risk a bonfire of freedoms. And we already see the bonfire of freedoms getting a little bit stronger these last 18 months, haven't we? And it's only yeah. looking to get a bigger bonfire as we go into the autumn now. Yeah, I think um, that that pursuit of safety, thats I think that's been a problem in our society for some time. Um, and there's a there's a quote in the book that says the pursuit of safety is our biggest danger, yes. driven by fears and ex- exaggerated fears. Yes, yes, yeah. And you know what was the what was the big phrase this over this last year? Stay safe. Yes. <laughs> I remember really early on thinking, oh, how do I stay safe? I don't. I I'm not. Do I want to stay safe? What does that mean? Stay safe. <laughs> Yeah, it's okay, like, okay, I'll try. <laughs> safe, safe, safetyism, and and this is and this is the wonderful thing about Christianity, isn't it? Is that we know that this life is not it. Yeah. But actually, 
having faith in Jesus Christ, knowing he died for our sin, he rose again. Having faith in him means that we have an eternal hope, allows us to ditch the idea of safetyism in this life. And that, that, that there's tremendous freedom in that. There is tremendous. Yeah. And perhaps there is a, a wonderful opportunity for the church in this country to throw off the shackles of safety first and instead allow freedom that Jesus has brought us to let us be the people he's called us to be. Absolutely. There's, um, you know, we, we, don't, we, we don't need to fear death anymore when we're Christians. That's, that's what's exactly so amazing about, about life. You know, yes. we know we will all die, but we, we don't need to fear that because we know that we have eternal life. Yeah. So, and nothing surprises God. So God isn't caught out by COVID or any other disease or illness. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. 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 And and this is this is what this this was the this was the opportunity, and probably still, and, and I suspect is going to become the opportunity for the church, even if the church is a little bit small, which I also suspect may happen, but time will t- to 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 live that way, to 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 live in fear-free abandon Mm. not not you know we're not we're not suggesting are we that you kind of run out into the middle of the road like a lunatic no but equally we we don't cower behind the sofa no and you know but the mask is easy to put on but it's hard to take off well exactly and I think this comes up in the book that there there was no there is no plan for there's no exit plan. There's no, no. plan for um, ramping down the fear. There's no, no. plan for um, how to undo what has been done to our society. And um, so, so the government's not going to do that. And I think that's, I think that's really important for us as Christians, for the church to be doing, to be, to be speaking truth, and to be, um, you know, human beings are not we should not be fearful of other human beings that they are some walking disease threat no exactly human beings are made in god's image and um that's not how jesus viewed people is it no not not at all not at all and and this is this is why this is why as christians we should be critical thinkers you you and i were not saying that everything the government tells us is is untrue that would be ridiculous and unfair but what the government do tell us and what in the papers or the news we have to weigh up for ourselves does this make sense is this right just because they say this is the case doesn't necessarily mean it is and mm. as christians it's important to do that because otherwise we will allow ourselves to be led by the wrong thing we need to be led by god's spirit we need to be courageous be bold don't the only thing we should fear is god <laughs> ultimately isn't yeah. it the Bible makes yeah. it clear there is a fear, which is fear in God. Yeah. But, um, which is a different sort of fear, isn't it? It's not being yeah. like cowering in fear and being afraid. It's having an awe and respect of God and understanding who God is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, look, we've 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 managed to keep this to uh, half an hour plus twenty five minutes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, is is there is there is there is there anything else, Helen? Before we before we finish, that you think we should just um, chinwag over? Um, 
No, I don't think so. There's there's so much in the book. I, I think what I would say is everyone should read the book. I think Definitely. it's really important to read it. Yeah. Um, and just to see what has been going on. See for yourself what has been. Yeah, absolutely. See, this is it. This is it, isn't it? Weigh things up yourself. Yeah. And honestly, just because you read this in the paper or hear it on the TV doesn't mean to say it's true. Yeah. In fact, and the at other the moment, thing, it probably means it's, it's slightly not true. It probably sadly. Isn't. But also, I would also also say because I've heard people say, "Oh well, you never know what to believe anymore. You don't know what." And and my answer to that would be, "Well, have a look at who is saying it. Look at who is mm. speaking. So you know, who are they? Do they have any?" you know might they have any ulterior motives um have they got anything to gain from what they're saying because that tells you quite a lot and and you know there have been quite a lot of scientists and experts who've who've been having quite a lot that to say that has actually put them um has been to their detriment you know they've risked their reputation they've risked their careers to say you know we, we believe this is wrong or we we're we believe we need to speak the truth that um, that that's not being spoken. And so I think question and look at who is speaking as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That is top advice. I think the hearts, the hearts group is worth a mention, isn't it? Very quickly. Just to, it's a very good website. The they are the, those website. people, aren't they? Who are speaking yeah, out exactly. experts, professionals. Yeah. We can link to that in, as I say, description below. It's not, but it will be in the description below. <laughs> right. Oh, nice and well. Thanks, Helen. Um, Thank you. And we'll put a link into the book as well, which I strongly advise you to get and have a read through and pass it on if you could buy the printed copy. But uh, yeah, definitely. Right. Nice one. Well, hopefully we'll go on to episode three at some point in the near future. That'd be good. <laughs> <laughs>